This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Church family, guests, we're glad that you're here. Everyone's sitting outside. I can't believe we're still sitting outside in December. And over at the chapel, Merry Christmas. As we kick off the season here, is everybody done with your Christmas shopping? If you're not, you will get nothing by December 25th, they tell us. Uh, you're too late. The mo- date moved way up. Somebody got us a gift of a photo shoot with the local photographer in town. We have a ton of great photographers uh, in our church. And uh, one, uh, we, so we decided to take them up on it this week. And we went down to the landing and went to that little park next to uh, the landing. And uh, you know when you take a picture... And sometimes they ask you to do awkward things, and you're like, this just doesn't feel right. But then you see the picture, like, oh, wow, that really actually looks good. Uh, never have been asked to do this in all of my life. She said, uh, all right, Amy, you stand here. Ted, you go 30 feet over there. And uh, I want you to run up, uh, run up, grab her, swing her around, and set her back down. And my whole family looks at me, and I'm like, should we stretch or something before we start this crazy photo shoot? I didn't know. I'm not prepared. And no lie. So I go and do it. She goes, no, it's great. I do this with, uh, you know, everybody at work's great. You're going to love the pictures. And uh, so I said, all right, I'm game. So I, I mean, I don't know what, <laughs> I maybe overdid it. Uh, but before I tell you what happened, we were on a hill. I want everybody to understand that, where it was a slight incline. I mean, I went like a lineman going after one of those dummies on the football field. I grabbed her at a 180. I was off balance. And when I came back around, I body slammed my wife into the ground. And then I end up on the ground next to her. We're both laying on our back because we're at that age. We can't get up right away. And I'm just laying there. We get up and look at the photographer, and this is all she's doing. <laughs> Mouth agape, she says, I've never had this happen before. And I'm laying on the ground going, I told you we should have stretched. So we don't want any more service-oriented gifts. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Let's just go back to the cookies. Who got me cookies down here? Somebody got me cookies. So... We welcome you to Woodland Hills Family Church. We're glad you're here. Part of our worship is we take an offering at our church. And we don't do it in boxes in the back. Or we do. We don't do it in bags or baskets in the front. Any, I don't know what. Just pick one of those ways and give any way you can up there. You can give an offering box is located in the foyer. You can give Church Center app. You can hit the Give Online Now button. All of our church at home family, we're glad that you're tuning in. Welcome. Uh, you can hit that Give Online Now button to give, and uh, or you can text the amount uh, to 84321. Next week, we will share with you uh, all that we uh, took in from the, the big give and explain to you where all of that, uh, all of your uh, giving, uh, where that will be going. And so we're going to continue today. In Philippians, as we talk about awaiting a Savior, if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up actually in verse 14, right where Shea left off last week, and we're going to continue through to verse uh, 21, and we're talking today about eagerly awaiting a Savior. We're celebrating 
Christmas, which is celebrating the birth of Christ, the first coming of Christ. Uh, But as we celebrate the first coming of Christ, follower of Jesus, we are to be eagerly awaiting the second coming of Christ. As if you follow with Advent and you light the candles, last week we lit the hope candle at our home. And we are eagerly awaiting the coming of the Lord. And I got to tell you, over the last couple of years, and I don't know if it's going to be more so the older I get, but I, I am longing for the return of Christ Jesus to this earth. And so that is, that is what we are celebrating when we celebrate Christmas uh, as well. We read, and you know, when the angel appeared to the shepherd in Luke 2, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid for every lost Man, woman, boy, girl, here today, please hear this. Today we are to declare to you the good news that brings great joy for all people. And that is what we do as we begin this Christmas season. And we're in between these two statements. Okay, the first one is Christ has come, and we've been singing about that today. We've been celebrating today the birth of Christ. But we're in between Christ has come And come, Lord Jesus. And we are longing for the return of the Lord. And here's the bottom line that's going to take us through the entire text today in Philippians. How we wait matters. So this isn't just a message on patience. And some would say, it really has nothing to do with patience. We're not even talking about patience today. But patience would be that ability to wait. Well, we're not talking about the ability to wait. We're going to see clearly in the text today, Paul teaching us what we need to do while we eagerly await the return of Christ, because we're to continue to press on. But waiting is not something we're really that good at. So let's just be honest. If, you're, if you hate waiting, would you, would you raise your hand? Just you hate waiting. All right, just put your hand. If you love waiting, like that's your favorite thing to do, would you just raise your hand? Do you, do you guys, last week... After Thanksgiving, I, I've lived in Branson 20 years. I have never seen town so crazy as those couple of days after Thanksgiving. And I, you know, this is terrible. If you're a tourist here today, would you raise your hand? We want to welcome you to our church before we talk about you. <laughs> We're glad you're here. We really are. We love you. Welcome. But wow, we just need to, I don't know. We got quotas and all sorts of things around. We just need to limit the amount of people that come to town. Because it was a lot. We walk our dogs down at the landing to get them socialized. We have a one-year-old, uh, older, 60-pound, uh, or bigger, 60-pound dog. And so we like to take them down to the landing. We went down to the landing, which was a huge mistake on Saturday. I couldn't find a parking space over there by Belk. Well, and I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? And, I, and I'm not going to wait. I'm the type, I'll drive to Springfield to get my item that I need before I wait five minutes for a parking space. Amen. <laughs> uh, that Tom... That, oh, anyway, whoo, I, and I was, but I was, I was trying to, okay, just wait, just wait, just wait, something will open up. But then I noticed people were making up their own spots. Did you notice this? I mean, it was, it was aggressive. They're pulling up on curbs and driving on grass and we get out and we're walking the dogs. And, and so Shay Robbins had a fantastic message last week on self-righteousness. Okay, if you haven't heard, go back to last week and look at the fact that you always need to be right. And that you always need to share your rightness with other people. And that was so spot on at Thanksgiving. You hear a conversation going on with someone talking and you hear something wrong and you're like, I got to get over there real quick and get my rightness into that conversation. That was me in the Branson Landing parking lots. Walking around and all these cars parked crazy and I mean, I'm just, I'm pointing them out. There was an F-250 King Ranch with a Texas license plate. 
hopped the curb in the grass, parked up against a sapling tree. And I'm saying this stuff out loud. Look, I'm glad Rhonda's on the same page as me all the time. I look and I call it out to Amy. I go, who's he think he is? He doesn't own this state. Listen, who, and I'm told, I go around the corner and there's a brand new macked out Bronco. Hop the curb on the grass at an angle like he's in a showroom somewhere. It comes out of my mouth. What a cocky Bronco owner. I mean, this is whole time. I'm, I'm, and I, I come to church. 8.30, first service, I'm dealing with my self-righteousness, I don't have the patience for these people, and I go out afterwards and realize that that Bronco's in our parking lot. <laughs> and that Bronco belongs to someone who's been a member of this church for almost 20 years. That Bronco owner's brother was the preacher last Sunday. No, I'm not telling you who it is. But I went out. This just happens. This is what I love and will always love about living and pastoring in a small town. I walk out and I meet, let's just say his initials are Blake Robbins. I, I, he goes, hey, I got a, a new Bronco. You want to see it? I walk over. I'm like, you. And I said right to him, you're a cocky Bronco owner. Who taught you how to park? So I always want you to feel the message before we get into the text. Are you there? Are you tired? Yes. I'm going to be interested to see where he's parked after this service. If he's parked anywhere other than within two lines, he is done. And at First Baptist Branson... We'll let Jeremy deal with them. We ain't going to put up with that type of stuff around here. <laughs> Sir, this is just, we're just having fun. I just, I just want to make sure you know. He's an angry little preacher. Uh, all of that to say, we're not talking about the ability to wait. We're talking about how we wait. We are waiting for the second coming of Christ. We're eagerly. We're going to see today in the text, awaiting the second coming of Christ. So how are you doing with waiting? How do you do? What is your immediate, like, inside, mm, when you see this in a theme park with your kids? You wait in three hours for a three-minute ride? How, do you, how, how, how are you waiting? What are you waiting for? If we can go serious, very serious. There are some of you who are waiting for a pandemic to end. I'm just going to say this to my ultra-opinionated friends. How you wait matters. Some of you are waiting for an answer to prayer. Are you still praying? Are you still seeking the Lord? Have you been praying for so long that you've given up? Because that's what happens when we wait. Some of us wait and worry Some of us wait and give up. Some are waiting and disappointed. Some are waiting and feel rejected. Some of you are waiting for a lost child to come home. Have you given up? Have you stopped pursuing that child? A relationship with that child? Have you stopped praying for that child's salvation? Some of you are waiting for a strained relationship to reconcile. 
You've tried everything. You, you say, hey, I know, make every opportunity, take every opportunity. Have you taken the opportunities or are you done? Waited too long. Some are waiting for a breakthrough in your marriage. Some you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're at the point of giving up. You've waited. And it's not just about, again, patience, the ability to wait. We're talking about how we wait today. I hear this all the time and I wait with people as they're waiting for a biopsy test result. Some people go in later on in the week. And let me tell you, that's a hard weekend. That's a difficult weekend. Those are the calls that we usually take that are like, I, ju- I just need to know. I need to know how we wait matters. Some of you have had your reputation taken through the mud. And you're waiting for the lies about you to be debunked and the truth to come out. You know what hit me this week is today as we talk about the finish line being heaven. So we talk about our ultimate prize. The ultimate prize is Christ and Christ Jesus. As I think about heaven being the finish line, not retirement, not graduation, not a a good test result. That's not the finish line. The finish line is when we're face to face with Jesus. I, I thought about this. Some of us, are going to have lies spread about us. You're going to have a lie spread about you. And guess what? This side of heaven, the truth may never be received by others. That member of your family or online. This side of heaven. That's why my pull and my focus, your pull and your focus is heavenward. As a citizen of heaven, you know that longing that we should have. And today, as we talk about celebrating the birth of Jesus, we're really in between as we eagerly await the return of Christ. Picking up where Shay ended last week in Philippians 3.14, we read, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Stay focused on that because we're going to end with that as well today. Heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to jump in to verse 15 with this idea. I am called until I am with the Lord to run my race and to cheer on other runners. You've heard it said, I always love the expression, stay in your lane. You know what stay in your lane means? Stay in your lane means whatever God's called you to, what you're supposed to do, the gifting, the calling, the passion, the experience the heart motivations, all of that, stay in your lane. But as followers of Jesus, there are runners in other lanes. And what we're to do is, yes, run our race. But as those pass us, what are we to do? Cheer them on. We're to be cheering on others. We're to have Paul's in our life, as we're going to see today. We're also to have Timothy's. We're to have those who are running ahead of us, looking to them as good examples. And we are to be a good example for those who are running behind us. Run your race and cheer on others in theirs. Let's look at verse 15. All of us then who are mature. The word mature there means perfected or complete. If you've ever wondered, is there humor in the scripture? This is one of the verses you can look to because some scholars believe this is Paul using sarcasm. And he is mocking those who are spreading heresy... Uh, around in Philippi, and he's mocking them by saying, for those who feel they've arrived, they've reached a state of perfection. 
They think he's pointing that out in others, but he's going to use it in a different way. And I love this, and it's a lesson for all of us today. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things, eagerly awaiting the return of Christ. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, understanding that we're all in different places in our race and at different paces. He says, God will make that clear to you. If there's something you don't know yet, pray, learn, seek, grow, be discipled, find other runners to come alongside you and help you with it. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Meaning we don't want to take steps backwards. Stuart Briscoe has a great paraphrase in his commentary on this that I want to share with you. And I think it's for all of us to take to heart today. It's his paraphrase of these verses 15 and 16. And here's what he says. He's saying, Paul is summing up this idea of maturity in this way. And this is true for those of you who are 70 and those of you who are 17. He says, Paul is making the point. I am complete in the sense that I have grown as far as I can at the present. And I am ready for the next lesson. I stand ready for the next lesson. In the last service, we had 87-year-old Pat Kershaw. I have coffee with her from time to time, and she sits down with me. I can't remember all of the lessons that she has taught me over the last 20 years. But what I do remember is how many times at Panera Bread or at Starbucks or wherever we would meet, her teaching me and telling me what God is teaching her. 87 years old. She is not done receiving the next lesson. And what Paul is saying here in this text, for those who are mature, you say, I'm a mature, or we would also say seasoned believer in Christ Jesus. Okay, You've learned everything you need to learn up to this point. But can we be honest? Some of you have stalled out. Some of you have stalled out. Some of you have stopped running. Some of you have stopped pressing on. And you're not awaiting the next lesson. Let's, let's, just, let's just go there for a moment. Take it in for a second. Have you stalled out in your pursuit of Christ? Again, when we talk about running the race and pressing on, we're not talking about winning our salvation. We cleared that up early on in this series. We are working out our salvation. We're not working for our salvation. But we are continuing and pressing on. And some of you, because you're tired, would you just raise your hand if you're tired? We can be honest. I'm, we get tired. <laughs> Ted, I'm not tired. I'm exhausted. Life has beat me down. And what has happened, because you're tired or because you're exhausted, you're no longer digging into Scripture. You stop serving. I hear this all the time at this church, and I hope, I just wish we wouldn't. Hear it ever again after today. I did my time. It's time for the younger people to come in and do it. Well, how about this? Show them how to do it. Keep running. Keep pressing on. Keep moving forward to the prize in which you were called in Christ Jesus. Keep running your race and cheer on young people. We don't need you to step aside. Some of you have stalled out. You need to get back in the race. We talked about it in the debrief, and I loved it. I asked Travis Bronner, an athlete, uh, if somebody decides they're going to start running. They haven't been running for a long time. Like, what, what, tell me, how do I get back into running? I'm speaking for a friend. Uh, how do you get back into running? And he said, real simple, start slow. Start slow. Some of you have quit serving. 
You've quit studying. You've quit reading. Your prayer life, if you're being honest, it's a meal prayer. Your time with the Lord is 10 seconds before every meal. You stalled out. I just want today to be an encouragement for all of us and through the encouragement of Paul as we eagerly await the return of Christ to get back in the race. Start running. Don't, don't lose what you have already attained. In Hebrews 6.1, I love what the writer says. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. And you're like, I've learned all that. I've learned all that. Well, keep going. Don't stop. And be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation. And so what we're going to see through the rest of this text is Paul telling us, follow good examples, be good examples. And then he's also going to share with us who we need to stay away from. Because how we wait matters. So who should I be running with? Let's look at a few of them. You should run with those who take growth seriously. Those who take growth seriously and have not stalled out. And they're still growing in their life. You should run with those who stand strong, not still. Some of you have strong opinions in here. They're the same political opinions that you've held for 40 years. And you are strong and you are dogmatic. And when, if anybody wants to share something with you or read something and ask you to explain something, it's like, no, you're just holding, you've stalled out. You're, you're standing, but you're still. And we're called to stand. And yes, we did a whole series on armor and how to stand in the battle. But another great word picture from the scriptures we're seeing today is press on. Keep moving. I'm, I'm 40 years younger than Pat Kershaw. And if the Lord keeps me upon this earth for another 40 years... If he doesn't return for 40 years, I hope I'm in Panera Bread meeting with someone younger, encouraging them to run their race. Not about a race I used to run. Not about, let me tell you, when I was younger, I really didn't know. It's like, here's what God is teaching me now. Here's what I'm learning now. Here's how I'm growing now. So find someone who's standing strong but not still. Run with those who look out for others and their growth. Run with someone who can point things out in your life. And be like, you know, you you told me about this and you just shared that story with me. And can I just tell you something that popped out of that story to me? Be willing to be challenged as iron sharpens iron. Be willing to be challenged. And someone who's like, "I, I went through a similar time in my marriage or as a parent or at my work. I was asked to do something questionable and here's how I responded. Be willing to have your growth challenged i love this and this comes right out of verses 15 and 16 run with those who understand that we all run at different paces dr chuck swindoll i've always loved his preaching and his writing i want to give a couple of quotes to you by by dr swindoll he says this paul in this text graciously acknowledges that everybody grows up in christ at different paces the church needs to hear that we need to be reminded that we're all not we're not running at the same pace and there are, I've been challenged in this. There are, there's some people that they want a strong, vibrant relationship with Christ and they're having capacity issues to do so. Sometimes it's a physical ailment. We're going to see it in a moment with this idea of lowly bodies. We all have lowly bodies in this side of heaven. They're going to break down and they're going to struggle because of sin, disease, ultimately death. But we're to continue on, to press on. So we all run at different paces. In this spiritual marathon, some will be nearing the finish line at full speed. 
Others will be farther behind. Some will be trudging along at a snail's pace. And there are those in here I would say this is true of too. And a few will be dragged along by others. We welcome those who are drug here today. We're glad you're here. Paul knew that not everybody was yet in the same condition for running the race at top speed. But he was confident that God would continue to work in them toward the upward call in Christ Jesus. And the last one, run with those who encourage you to keep running. Encourage you to keep running. He goes on to say this, living the Christian life is a team sport, not a solo mission. This is, what, this is why my passion will always be the local church. I love the local church. I love everything about the local church. I meet people all the time that tell me, you know, my church is Big C Church and I get all I need sitting on my dock on a Sunday. And I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. You need other believers in your life challenging you, encouraging you. That's why we tell people who are watching from states away that say, Woodland Hills is my church home. You're five states away. You're a thousand miles away. And you say, this, this is my church home. We love that this is a supplement to helping you and encouraging you. But when you have an emergency in your life, we can't be there for you. But guess what? A local church can. Find one. Plug into one. Dig into that so you can be encouraged by others. It's a team sport, team effort, not a solo mission. And then watch, to me, this is a perfect example of not just Woodland Hills Family Church, but a First Baptist Church, a Bloom Church, people running in this race together. As each of us maintains our own level of spiritual maturity, we also encourage others to do the same, Dr. Swindoll says. We are to lock arms with our brothers and sisters in the family of God. If we see one of our brothers slowing down in the race, we need to take him by the arm and encourage him to press on. When we see a sister out of breath from the exasperating challenges of life, we need to remind her to look up and look forward to press on toward maturity. And I have a friend that's watching right now, and we had a great talk a couple of weeks ago about this idea of being a good model. People are watching. We say it all the time around here. Our children are watching, they're listening, remembering, and repeating. They see everything you do. This is why you can't stall out in your faith. This is why you can't stop. Grandma and grandpa, you're like, I did it. I'm so tired. Keep going. Why? Because you've got grandchildren now that are watching. And you're a model. He told me, he said, you know, Ted, uh, I'm a passionate hunter. Let me see all the hunters in the room and across. Let me just say, okay, you're going to love this story. And, and it may convict you in a different way. Uh, he said, and you know, when I moved out of Branson, he moved to another state. And he said, I can't believe how many years I've lived here and have not hunted yet. But they live on a few acres. He said, my daughter's getting older and I know the family's watching right now. And he said, I went out and I taught her about how to find the deer that we want, um, where the, the buck was bedding and then so, so some scrapes so we could see, you know, the, the rut and everything. He said, it was just perfect. He said, one afternoon I had a couple hours. He said, and I went out. And sat by a tree. I was there 30 minutes. And this eight-point buck comes walking down the trail. And I drop the buck. And he said, Ted, the weather was perfect. Where I dropped the buck was going to be just a, a short little pull onto the back of my truck bed. He said, the whole thing, I'm going, Lord, this is of you. This is, this is so perfect. He drives it back to his driveway. And he brings his wife and daughter out. And they're looking at it. They're celebrating because the daughter helped find this deer. And he sits down that night to register the deer in the state's website. 
and realizes he's a week early. And there's some going, what's the big deal? Yeah, it's illegal. He's like, oh, no. And he goes back on his phone because he took a screenshot. And, you know, he typed in his state's name and then the hunting laws. And he got some bogus site that had bad information. But he screenshotted it. And the next day, he called the conservation department and got an officer. Tells the whole story to the officer. And there's silence on the other end of the phone. And my friend's like, "Uh uh-oh. This ain't good. And he asks the guy, he goes, has, has this ever happened before? And he goes, it happens all the time, but nobody ever calls to tell us about it. <laughs> My friend said, I pride myself on being a hunter. But more than that, I'm a dad. And my daughter is watching. And I want her to see. He goes, how's this going to go down? And then the officer said, I'm going to have to call you back. We, we don't have this happen enough. To, we don't have policy on it. Uh, let me figure out what's going on. And so calls him back and says, well, I'm going to have to come get the rack, write you a citation to appear in court. And so he shows up, and my friend's sitting at the back of the truck talking to him. My friend had already had the deer process given to a homeless shelter and uh, brings his family out to introduce him to the officer. And the officer's like, wow, this doesn't ever happen. I don't ever get introduced to families in such a nice way. Uh, and this just this story is so fantastic because I'd love to tell you who my friend is, but his court date is December 15th. And we're kind of waiting to see. How many thinks he should get a little leniency? Let me just see for doing it. Who says throw the book at him? Let me just see. Okay, good. See, I'm going to tell nobody had their hand. A couple people from California, but, you know. That was for other reasons, all right? That was for other reasons, my friend. So anyway... We love California. We have new members from California. Would you help me welcome all of our members from California? Anyway, so they're here because of that joke. Uh, and I thought, and, and, and my friend, this is such a great moment. I mean, such a powerful testimony. He's like, my daughter's watching and it matters. I have to do the right thing. Even when the right thing is the hard thing. I want to be a good example. I want her to follow a good example so she can be a good example we read this in philippians three seventeen about this whole maturity and pressing on join together and following my example brothers and sisters paul says and just as you have us as a model keep your eyes on those who live as we do bottom line is this on your walk on, in your journey, in your run, whatever illustration we put on this, as you press on to maturity in Christ, choose your examples carefully. Find those who are continuing to run in their race and cheering you on in yours. Because sometimes, he's going to take a turn now in verse 18. And before he does, I want to I show you this quick clip because it just reminds me, as you press on to maturity in Christ, gonna, when you leave here, When you leave a gathering of the local church or other believers, you're going to feel alone. You're not going to feel supported or encouraged. And you're going to feel a lot like this young man who practiced hard for his school's Christmas play. And watch what happens to him.
is that trumpet player, he stops and he starts going like this. But you see all the parents doing the same thing. Like, that's what's going on. Let's hear it for that band teacher right there. Uh, you keep at it, buddy. Uh, this is why being a part of a local church, you don't have to run alone. Stop running alone. But now he's going to move to verse 18, and we're going to learn, stop running with enemies of the cross. Stop running with them. Stop allowing them to corrupt you. And here's what he says. This is as serious as it gets. Verse 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. What are these tears? These these are tears of compassion. He's broken by this. He doesn't want the church at Philippi to be led astray, to drift astray, to compromise along their race. He says, with tears, I tell you this, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Young people, hear me. Stop following them. Stop following their example. Stop being influenced by them. Stop drifting with them. There are many today, and you're going to hear this term more, and I don't, we'll probably talk about it more in 2022, but there are many in evangelical churches today who are doing what's called deconstructing their faith. We don't have time to unpack that today, but if that's you and you're like, there's a lot I need to deconstruct after the last election, the last presidential cycle, what happened through the pandemic, I'm deconstructing. Can I encourage you? Don't go on the path of deconstruction that leads to a shipwrecked faith. And he spells it out in verse 19. Their destiny is destruction. I think there are ways you can deconstruct without destroying your faith. But their destiny is not eternal joy. No, it's destruction. Their God is their stomach, sensual desires, and their glory is in their shame. They actually glory, and we see this, I mean, every day in our country. People who are living rebellious lifestyles towards God, and they're finding glory in it. He said, this is the path of destruction. They're enemies of the cross. And look at verse 20 and 21. Do I love this? Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. How many times have we heard this over the last few months at our church? We have a dual citizenship. We're citizens of the kingdom of God first, and then citizens of the United States of America second. They're not on the same level. One is over the other, period. And if you've ever traveled, I love traveling. And when I'm in a foreign country, I, I love visiting. I love learning about the culture and eating the food and spending time with people. But I can't wait to get home. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't wait to get home. And some of you have journeyed to places like Louisiana and Arkansas and Texas and Oklahoma. And you go there on vacation. You have a great time. But you can't wait to get home because there's a pull. And let me tell you, being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we live our life here under the sun upon this earth. But our pull is heaven eagerly awaiting the return of our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, and look at, here's where your exhaustion's coming from, will transform our lowly bodies. When I ask you to raise your hand if you're exhausted, that's why. Our lowly bodies, sin, disease, ultimately death. 70 years you may have upon this earth, 80 if you're strong, but those years are filled with sorrow and anguish challenging times, obstacles we face, tragedies, mourning. We go through all of that, but our citizenship is not here. And some of these things that we're waiting for, I may wait for a lifetime upon this earth, but I will no longer after Christ returns. 
And there's a wedding coming. I, I love weddings. You know I love weddings. This is my favorite wedding picture until May 31st next year when my daughter marries Caden Hazel. And, uh, but I've been showing this picture for however long they've been married. This is Matt and Katie. And the only time RP has ever embraced Matt at such a level. I can't even explain it while he whispers in his ear, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but I love this picture because a day is coming. A day is coming where we're going to be at a wedding. Oh, think about this. The father one day, if you've, if you've been to a wedding, I just love that moment in the back. I, I told Caden, it's been my joke for 13 years since Corinne was five. And I told him on May 31st, I'll retire. He goes, don't retire. I love that joke. Keep that joke in there. I go, are you sure? And this is the joke. I go, you know, one day I'm going to, I told my daughter this when she was five. I said, one day, Corinne, I'm going to stand at the back of a church with you looking down the aisle at some pervert. (laughs) That pervert now has a name. I said, you got to let me retire that joke. He goes, no, keep it in. I love it. But on May 31st, I'm going to stand at the back of an aisle with her and walk her down the aisle and give her away as my princess to become Caden's queen. And every time I think about a wedding, this is what it means to eagerly await the return of the Lord. And I hope, I hope as you celebrate Christmas, don't get so caught up in all the festivities that you lose sight of your citizenship in heaven. Because the day is coming where the father is going to turn to his son, Jesus, and say, son, go get your bride. Go get your bride. That's what we're eagerly awaiting. Until the Lord returns or calls me home, I'm running. I'm standing, not still, firm, but still moving on cheering you on in your race you cheer me on in my race we cheer each other on until that day when the father turns to his son and says it's time as we celebrate the birth and the first coming of christ we eagerly await the second coming of christ and how we wait matters awaiting eagerly would you pray with me father it's in the name of jesus that i pray for the one who stalled out years ago They can think of a time where they were running hard and fast toward Jesus, but that's that's slowed down and and come to a a halt. And some no longer are living up to what they attained, but they're even... That they would today be ready for the next lesson. They would think of all they've learned and seek you and continue to run and press on. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. What a time to, to give, give your life to Christ as we celebrate the first coming of Christ that we would be prepared for the second coming. For the one who is not prepared for the second coming of Christ, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...